this is Holy Spirit part three, which I don't know if we'll end up with 12 of these by the end of the time, but you know, the Holy Spirit is really intricate. He's an intricate part of the Godhead, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's the one that Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, but I'm going to send you a helper, the paraclete, meaning called alongside. So God, the Holy Spirit, is called alongside of us to walk us through this life. And we can't do it on our own. So this is what happened this week. We were watching a, a show, a documentary, as we often do, right? Sometimes. And as I was watching this show, the show, the narrator of the show actually said this. And by the way, this was about the Iberian wolf. How many have ever heard of that before? In Portugal, that's where this was taking place. He said, the pack hunts together to ensure the survival of the next generation. The pack hunts together to ensure the survival of the next generation. So what's that have to do with us? Well, this is where the Holy Spirit struck me. <laughs> and, and this is what I felt like he said. Are we ensuring the survival of the next generation of Pentecostal believers? Do our children know about the relationship of God the Holy Spirit? Do they know He wants a relationship with them? Have they witnessed His supernatural power? Or have they experienced Him? You know, in the assemblies, we're a very experiential body of believers. We, we believe that God wants to minister to us. It, it's not just, well, He's out there somewhere. You can feel Him. Amen? Have they seen miracles taking place? And listen, if you're a parent or a grandparent, this is so important for you to grab hold of this today. Because I believe that we, the church, are being challenged. And I, I've heard this said many times, it takes a village to raise a child. And I believe that. It really does. And listen, this is your village. Parents, grandparents, we love kids here. We love your grandkids here. And maybe even your great-grandparents if you're like Methuselah age. Which that's going to be me before long, but anyway, won't go there. In my recent studies, I was taken back to the Old Testament. And the first five books of the Bible is called the Pentateuch, or the law, the law, the Torah, if you will. Uh, and then we, we jump into, and I've got it up behind me, then we jump into the historical books. And obviously you know what that means, right? It's historical. It, what's written in these books actually happened at a certain time, and most of them we know about where it was. So we start out with the book of Joshua, and, and that's where I was taken and this was a very interesting time for the people. They had amazing things going on because God said, I am going to give you the promised land. 
And then he started blessing them. Now, there's a very close similarity between this group and the United States today. And that's what I want, that's what I want you to see here. The Lord had richly blessed the Israelites. Richly. I mean, they, they had stuff, resources coming out of everywhere. And something happened. Something happened. They started to enjoy their prosperity. And because their enemies had seen God moving on their behalf over and again, they feared the Israelites, or more importantly, they feared the Israelites' God. So what did the Israelites do? They hunkered down, and they began to enjoy their life. Have we done that? Your enemies are, yeah, you know you're more powerful than them, right? Or at least you were when God was with you. And here's the thing. And they didn't see this coming. You know what God did? Okay, you got this? You think you got this? All right. And this is what I wanted to show you. This is where the very famous passage comes into play. Joshua 24. So fear the Lord, he said, and serve Him wholeheartedly. Are you with me still? What are we supposed to do? Serve the Lord wholeheartedly. All right? Put away forever idols that your ancestors your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve, say it with me, serve the Lord alone. One God. Three persons, one God. This was the first time that the world saw a nation that only worshipped one God. They were cool with them having their God, but they didn't understand why they didn't worship their gods as well. They felt like it was safer to have a multitude of gods, and that's called being polyistic. But the Israelites said, no, 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 we have one God. However... The closer they got to their enemies, who were the Canaanites, the closer that they got to them, the more like them they became. And this is why Joshua had to say this. But if, verse 15, you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Very important what he said here, isn't it? And I believe that this message 
is so important for today. And this is what God downloaded into me. You see, God didn't, or I'm sorry, Joshua didn't tell them not to worship the other gods. He just said, pick who you're going to serve. They wanted to serve both. And Joshua was saying, no, you can't. Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is the only God. You pick him or you pick all the other gods if you feel better about it. But as for me and my house, we're only serving the one God, Jehovah. That was his choice. And that's what I'm asking you to do today. Pick the God that you're going to serve, or little G-gods. Unfortunately, many of the Israelites chose to worship the foreign gods, and they ignored Joshua's plea. And because they never learned how to handle their newfound prosperity, it eventually led to their demise. And I'm speaking from my heart right now, but I feel like this is where we, America, the U.S., this is where our church is today. We are right on that precipice of whether or not we're serving God, the one God, the one true God, or the many gods, pluralistic. I wanted to share something, and Dr. Stanley M. Horton, have any of you heard of him? He's an Assemblies of God, a brilliant man, and he kind of wrote the book, if you will, on the Holy Spirit. He said this in his What the Bible Says About the Holy Spirit. He said this, with this increased prosperity came spiritual decline. And that's what I see around us today. The older generation was so taken up with their own pleasures that worship became formal. That's a word at the end of today we're going to deal with. The training of the young, listen to this, the training of the young was either neglected or the bad example of the parents made their words meaningless. Are you still with me? Are you catching what Dr. Horton's saying here? You see, we can bring our kids to church and we can act all spiritual here. And then we get in that car. Sometimes that's as soon as it happens. Sometimes we get in that car, the door's locked, we put that thing in drive and... And our kids are going, who are you? Dr. Jekyll or Mrs. Hyde? <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's usually the mom that loses it first. Not always. Some of you moms are going, yeah, that's me. As a result of this, Judges 2.10 became a reality. Before I share that, though, I want to ask this question. Is your worship 
Please, just don't focus on anybody else. Just you and God right now. Let Him, let Holy Spirit speak to us. If you're listening online, listen to this. Is your worship formal, stale? Has it become dry, half-baked, as, as my dad used to say? Is it left wanting? I believe the Holy Spirit has more for you than you've ever dreamed or imagined. But you and I have got to answer this question, and if this is us, we've got to do something about it. Amen? Judges 2.10, and when I read this the first time years ago, it floored me. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. You realize this is an indictment, right? This isn't, hey, high five, good job. This is an indictment against the people because they had become polyistic in their belief system. Hear this. Dr. Horton went on to explain that it was not that the children had not heard of the Lord and His mighty excerpts. Rather, it was that they had not experienced the Lord themselves. And that's where I'm going today with this message. You see, they had... They had not tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Nor had they seen the miracles or witnessed the presence of God in their own lives. And Dr. Horton went on to explain this. He said that as a result, the young generation were attracted to the feasting, the drunkenness, and lacks morals of the Canaanite culture as well as the prestige of their temples and their high places. When this happened, God withdrew His blessing and He sent armies to bring judgment on the various tribes. End quote. So I ask you again, can you see any parallels with the Israelites then and the United States today. I certainly can. I certainly can. You know, lately we've watched some of the, the popular shows that our young people are watching, and old people too. And, and I've just been floored with what I've seen. These are the ones that they really like, by the way. And I'm not naming them today, but just to say they're filled with sexual innuendos. The mentality that anything goes. And by the way, there has been, according to one man, an anthropological shift over the last several decades. And what it means to be human has changed. 
the result, you can see it. We don't even know who we are anymore. Are we a boy? Are we a girl? It's anybody's guess, folks. And I'm not making fun of people who might be in that place where they're not sure what they are. I'm just saying, when God created the earth, He made man and woman. And they knew who they were. They've changed the very definition of what it means to be human. And that cultural change has led to our kids being told that sex is okay. it's, It's just a behavior. It's who they are. In other words, there are no moral absolutes. Anything goes. It was hard enough raising my boys back in the 80s and early 90s. My heart goes out to you parents today because of what you get to deal with and that factor that there are no absolutes. In Hollywood, oh boy, they are right there. I want to tell you, they are trying their hardest to teach our little children that anything goes at the youngest of age. we got to watch them like a hawk because they're constantly trying to put stuff out there. You know what? When the nation rises up and says, no, they listen. But that's what it takes because they're always pushing that envelope. It won't be long and our cartoons will have that kind of nasty stuff that you're seeing now in adult entertainment. If the church doesn't stand, do not let Hollywood teach your children. What am I saying? Have you ever noticed how the only thing that you really see on the modern shows today is the demonic? Do you ever see, I remember years ago, there was a show on that was all about angels. What was that called? Touched by an angel. That was the only show I really ever saw that tried to portray the goodness of the angelic realm. Most of the shows, and I'm talking, it doesn't really matter what you tune into, whether it's Netflix or any of the HBO, all those, it's all demonic. And they, they try to make the demonic look good. Have you noticed that? They don't even talk about the goodness of heaven or God, he's, he's off limits. They only talk about the devil and his dominion and the power that they get from that. Oh, yeah. Right. 
In reality, does he have power? Not over us. In reality, God is still seated on the throne. And two-thirds of the angels are still at his beck and call. We win. But you don't see that in Hollywood. It's demonic. So as I see it, and this is my heart, we're failing our children and our grandchildren. When we let them play video games that enhance and glorify murder and theft and sexual assault and brutality and so on and so forth, while at the same time we neglect to give our children the time and the space to go after God, to go after His presence and His mighty power, then we're failing our young people. And I'm not up here trying to beat anybody up. Listen, God is a God of mercy and grace and love. But I do think He's trying to make a point with us. And for those of you who are parenting today, God be with you. God, the Holy Spirit be with you. You need Him. You need his wisdom. You need that, that discernment to know when your child is going somewhere that he or she shouldn't. We wonder why our families are such a mess today. <laughs> wow. In my opinion, it's because we've become laxed like the people that Joshua was ministering to and Judges. While enjoying our prosperity and the status as one of the greatest nations on the planet, we've allowed other gods to come in and take the place of what was once one nation under one God with liberty and justice for all. You know, our churches have, have been full on Sunday. My question is, with what? Watered-down preaching? That's like giving a child a sucker rather than a full meal? You know what I'm saying? Am I preaching truth? Is this resonating with anybody else's heart, or am I just preaching this to myself? The hearts of our children have not been filled with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And in this day and age, they need Him more than ever before. We've gotten away from what Jesus and the apostles taught. And we've bought into what the culture of the day is teaching. Our making disciples has come down to an hour and a half of wowing you with music. Some churches, it's not a church service if there's not smoke coming off the stage. And I'm, I'm not trying to belittle that. I'm just saying, really? I mean, if it's the Shekinah glory coming down, if the glory of God's pouring out on them, and that's His smoke, great. But do we really have to manufacture it? 
or do some fancy light show to get you more involved in worship? What is that? And I know I might, you might be sitting here going, brother, you're showing your age. I know. I can't help it. It's who I am. We try to tickle your funny bone with a few cute stories about God and His people. And then we send you back into the ravenous wolves of the underworld where many of you are getting your lunches eaten, so to speak. We, the church, have allowed this to happen. And we've no one to blame but ourselves. If you were at prayer last Wednesday, you've heard this. But I wanted to share what I shared then, and that was something that Dr. Uh, Timothy Tennant said about the Christian being minimalized. And this was at Asbury Theological Seminary. He said this, Indeed, it seems that the contemporary church's prime directive is always adapt to culture. Is that what you've seen in the church? Adapt to the culture. And it trades on the unspoken, defining question of the modern church. What is the least a person has to do to be a Christian? And I've extended this. What is the least a person must do to remain a Christian? See, that's how I see it. It isn't so much where we get hung up in our born-again experience. It's, it's that continuing lifestyle where many of us get tripped up. What's the least I have to do? He went on to say, that is one of the defining questions of evangelicalism. And from my point of view, and Asbury's point of view, that impulse must be opposed at every turn. We must resist Christian minimalism. We must resist those who want to boil the whole glorious gospel down to a single slogan or some simple phrase or transaction. God is so much bigger than that. And for us to try to shove him into a little box with some catchy slogan is nonsense. Let me ask you this, my friends. Is that what our children see in us? Is that what our grandchildren see in us? Do they see the polytheistic Israelites Welcoming in the Canaanite culture, sitting on their laurels, and just taking it in. Ah, isn't life good? Or are they seeing us living those moral absolutes that Jesus Christ and the disciples, his apostles, left for us in the epistles, in the gospels? Is that how we're living? According to God's mandate, not our own. If God said it, that's good enough for me. Should be our motto. 
Do we, whether consciously or unconsciously, turn our relationship with God into the very least that we can or must do? Perhaps in order to fulfill our spiritual duty and not feel guilty when we go to do what we really want to go do. It's awful quiet in here. And I'm only asking this question because I myself, I'm trying to work through this. Where are we? Is this us? Do we try to do the least just to get As I see it, Judges 2.10 was a spiritual indictment against the people of God. The result, the Lord took his blessing off of his people so they'd no longer be able to just coast through life enjoying all their many gods. They wouldn't be able to enjoy prosperity forever because he was removing his hand from them. They had, as I see it, effectively removed God from their midst, made him a monument of sorts. You know what I mean by that? Just a statue, just something to observe, to look at. But when you turn your back and walk away, it's still there. Right? Is that what we've done with God? All of my messages the last several weeks have been, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives in us. He doesn't stay back there as a monument. He's with you 100% of the time. Is He embarrassed to be with you? Does He have to do this often? Dr. Horton said their worship had become formal. It's my prayer today that the Lord would help us to get back to the basics of our faith. And if we've made our worship formal, we need to repent. I need to repent. And once again, Come back to the Lord and invite the Holy Spirit in. Master, Savior, Helper, Counselor, Comforter, Loving God. That's who He wants to be to you and to me. It's my prayer that we be delivered from the culture that has made the Lord a little g and return to making Him the God of our lives, capital G. As I begin to close, what does that mean? Nothing. I'm just trying to give Sarah a heads up to get over here. And then the rest of the worship team.
Has your worship of the Lord become formal? Would you stand with me? When our children grow up, I'll wait for it. When your children grow up, let's make it personal. Will they know God or only know of God? You catch that? You see, if we don't help our children to know who He is, and and I've had the privilege of watching my son Andy and my daughter-in-law Sarah raising up my two little grandchildren, Evangeline and Isabel. And at that young age of three and one, I'm so proud of them. I'd like to say I did this when I was young, younger as a parent, but I didn't. But they don't go to bed at night without reading a story about Jesus and then letting them pray as much as they can and then praying a final prayer over them. And they're in church whenever they can get there making sure that their kids hear and learn about God. And they are so careful to ensure that whatever they're watching, and and listen, you can't just look at it and go, oh, that's Disney. That used to be the case, but not any longer. You have to sit there and watch what they're watching. We've seen cartoons where I went, what? children grow up, will they know God or only know of God? All right. Action steps. Joshua said, as for me and my house, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Can you say that with me? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And listen, if if this means that you need to repent, meaning doing a 180 because right now you're walking away from God. He's some monument back there. You're, You're worshiping Him formally. You don't even know Him anymore. If that's you, God's saying, come back. Come back to me. Stop this. I want a real relationship with you, not a pretend relationship. I want you to know who I am, God is saying. I want you to experience my love in a way that every atom in your body is just going to move as you get near me. You're going to know it. You're going to experience Him in Jesus' name. That's the kind of relationship that God wants to have with you. Part two. I will, say this with me, I will remove all remnants of other gods. What does that mean? If you're listening, and when we prayed earlier, we said, Lord, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, 
the Holy Spirit will show you what needs to be gone in your houses. I don't know what it is. For each one of us, it's different. But He has something for you to get rid of. Trust me, something. What little G's inhabit your house that shouldn't be there? What little G's take the place of the big G? What have you been influenced by culturally? And then last but not least, I will magnify the Lord and only the Lord. I will magnify the Lord and only the Lord. Psalm 34.3 in the Amplified says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Hallelujah. Can you say that with me? Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. <laughs> Here's what I want to do. We're going to sing the last song that we sang earlier. And in there, and, and I actually, originally, I had gone to this, taste and see the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in Him. feel that at all? Is it, does it resonate with you? And in this song, the words that are a part of this psalm are there. So let's sing this. And what I want to do is if you feel inclined and, and listen, I'm going to be right here. If you feel inclined to do something different in your life, with your life, you just want more of God. And, and listen, if you're at home, get on your knees. All right, as we sing this song, get on your knees and just say, Lord, I repent. Lord, help me to see the things that I need to remove from my house. Lord, help me to taste and see that you are good. I want to experience you today. I'm going to invite you to come down and make an altar. Get on your knees. Whatever you feel, if you want to stand, that's fine. You don't have to come down unless you want to. But if you're feeling compelled by the Holy Spirit, please come as we sing this song, and then I'll close with prayer. Father, it's our prayer in Jesus' name that you would help us to get back to the basics of our yes, faith. Yes, Lord. Lord, if there needs to be repentance, so be it. That we do a 180, Lord, that we would come back to you with open hearts and open minds. Lord, that you would forgive us if we have made our worship formal. Yes, Lord. We serve the living God, not some dead God. We serve the only God that gave his life for us. He died, was buried and rose on the third day. No other God did that. And He did that to give us life to the full. Not just a little teeny bit, but life to the full. Yes. And I fear sometimes that we as believers, we, we forget that. 
and we just take just a little bit because we've listened to the lies of the devil for way too long. He tries to get in our heads as soon as we get up in the morning. You're nothing but a failure. You can't do this day. God is nothing. And that's when you have to look at that darkness and say, Satan, get behind me in Jesus' name. Greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in this world. No weapon formed against me or my family will prosper. And I'm going to taste and see that the Lord is good today. And he is. Hallelujah. 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 Father, I believe you put this message on my heart through the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us to meditate on this all week. And not just all week, but the rest of this year, Lord. Whatever it takes. But help us to be willing to change. If things need to be removed from our house, Lord, help us to be strong and bold and courageous enough to do it. Maybe that means unplugging from cable or satellite. And I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just saying, listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying. Maybe it means putting some kind of device on your stuff so that your kids can't get to the stuff that's R and whatever rated. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Please, church, spend time with Him this week and ask Him, Lord, what is it that's preventing my family from drawing closer to You? What do I need to get rid of? What do I need to keep to ensure that our relationship with You is strong, full of life and goodness and health? Lord, I pray as we do these things that you would prosper those who are listening today who take the actions necessary. Lord, bless them. Give them strength as parents and grandparents to do what's needed to stand on the moral absolutes. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We may meet resistance, especially if our kids are older but it's necessary. And Lord, I entrust everybody that's listening to this message today into your hands, Lord. Fill us afresh and anew with your Holy Spirit and guide us, Lord, as only you can. We thank you and we praise you, Lord, for what you're doing in this church. And everybody that's able, that agrees, said, Amen. Amen. I wanted to go out on a...